gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the work that we do... You can support us monthly through Patreon. Even a few dollars a month really helps us. You can also give a one-time donation through PayPal. And both of those are linked on our website and in the episode notes. And I also wanted to mention a special discount code through the end of November for our merch. And the discount code is Theology, all capital letters, 20. There is shirts in all different sizes and colors, um, even both long sleeve and short sleeve. There's also some mugs. I even have some little kids stuff on there and some tote bags. So there's a bunch of different merch. There's a link to our Teespring store in the episode notes and also on our website, theologygals.com. And lastly, if you haven't checked out our set of Theology Gals journals, I will also link those in the episode notes. We have scripture reading and prayer journals. We also have catechism and scripture memory books. And those are great not only for children, but also for adults. I know even I'm work, I didn't grow up with the catechism, so I'm working on memorizing some of that myself right now. And then lastly, we have our sermon notes notebooks. We have one for adults, or it could also be used for uh, teenagers. And then we also have two different ones for children. One is for younger children, can't quite read yet. And then we also have for children that are beginning to read. And that one is for really children up until they're kind of ready for a more adult notebook. So definitely check all of those out. Everything I just mentioned will be in the episode notes, and you can also find it on the website. We are joined by Christina Fox. We were talking before we recorded. I think that she is the guest that we've had on the, the most amount of times. I think this is the fifth time. 
So we're really happy to have her back to talk about her new book. It's uh, A Holy Fear, Trading Lesser Fears for the Fear of the Lord. And this book is coming out November 30th, but you can do the pre-order now, which I always recommend because then you're one of the first people to get it as soon as it, it comes out. Christina, just before we, we get started, and you know, I know that our listeners will for sure be familiar with some of your other books, which we've highly recommended. Uh, I often reference A Heart Set Free, A Journey to Hope Through the Psalms of Lament, because I love that book so much, but also your book on friendship and, and others. Could you share a little bit about yourself and then also um, talk about why you wrote this book? For having me again. Um, we, we were chatting a moment ago, and I'm glad to know that I uh, retain my title as um, being on your podcast the most. So excited about that. Um, well, like most women, I juggle multiple things at once and wear many hats. Um, I have two teen boys. I'm a wife and a mom and a longtime homeschool uh, parent. Um, so I, I have those responsibilities and as well as, you know, sports and other things that keep me busy with my kids. Uh, this season, this fall season, I've been the water mom. Not the water boy, but the water mom uh, for my youngest football games. Um, but in terms of writing and ministry, uh, with my background and training is in counseling. Uh, so my my heart and passion is to help women see how the gospel intersects with their daily lives and how it brings light and life to the darkness of life in a fallen world. Um so, uh, you know, I do retreats uh, for women's ministry and do write for a number of Christian ministries and publications. Um, I'm in women's ministry at the national level with the PCA. Uh, and then I've, I've written several books, which you alluded to, uh, my latest being A Holy Fear. And, you know, you asked, you know, why did I write this? Um, like many of us, I've, I've had many fears in my life, uh, fears that have kind of stood there as these huge obstacles uh, before me. And um, I know I'm not, I'm not alone in that. And I've, I've long wanted to explore and study the Bible's teaching on fear because, you know, as you read and study it over and over, you encounter the word fear. Uh, you know, it, it's the command do not fear is one of the most common commands found in scripture. But then there's another one, that's uh, just as common, and that is fear the Lord. And so there's, they're very different commands, but they also have a, a connection of sorts, a relationship. Um, for the Bible teaches us that when we experience fear, we are to turn from those fears to the fear of the Lord. So the a holy fear kind of digs into that and explores what that means, what it looks like, and and how the fear of the Lord is central to our relationship with Him. I was I was thinking that there's ways in which I think this book is timely. You know, we have all the jokes about 2020 and everything that, uh, you know, so many of us have experienced, not just the pandemic, but so many of us, even, even each of us here, have faced other challenges and, and trials throughout this year. And 
so obviously you didn't know when you wrote this book that 2020 was going to happen, but it just seems very timely. Yes, it does feel that way for sure. And I've uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been having to uh, read through it and remind myself of what I wrote. <laughs> so, Isn't it funny how what we write uh, ultimately ends up speaking to our to ourselves, right? It's, we write it and we're like, yeah, I really wrote this for me that I needed to hear this, right? Yes. Um, and I, I really appreciate how your heart and how you've shared so much through your books about your own struggles and your own walk with the Lord. And um, I found it very helpful. And, you know, like Colleen said, uh, A Heart Set Free is one of my absolute favorites, and I recommend it all the time um, because of how it spoke to me. One of the things in your book, when you talk about fear, you know, fear can have different meanings. And you mention, for example, natural fear. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about uh, some of the different types of fear, you know, good and bad, you know, what is fear? Yeah. um, Do you remember that children's song um, where they would show you like these different images? Uh, A few of them were the same were similar and one was different. And the song was, which of these things is not like the other? Yes, Um, I do. (laughs) So I always think of that when I think about the different kinds of fear in the Bible, because one of them is not like the other. Um, so the Puritan, uh, John Flavel, I think that's how you say it. Uh, he talks about that in, in his book on fear, about the different kinds. The first being natural fear that you mentioned. Um, that's that fear that we all experience from living life in a fallen world. You know, it's that fear that makes us leave a building when the fire alarm goes off. Um, It's the fear I experienced after a recent car accident. This world is fallen and broken. And as a result, we face fearful things like pandemics, terror attacks, natural disasters. Uh, Even our Savior felt natural fear when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying the night before he was betrayed. Uh, The second fear is sinful fear. And that's the fear that um, just distracts us and keeps us from resting in and trusting in God and his great love for us. Um, John Calvin commented regarding, um, you know, our fears and worries. He says, God does not forbid every kind of care, but only what arises from distrust. Then of course, the third kind of fear is uh, the fear of the Lord, which is, which is different and Um, I know you have a question probably later that you'll ask me to define it, but. How does fear affect our lives? And I'm sure, you know, even as I ask that, we can all think of, of ways in which it does. Yes. Uh, Fear affects us in just a variety of ways. Um, You know, for some of us, it's, you know, a temporary emotion, you know, one that comes in response to a fearful situation. And then, you know, it leaves just as quick as it came Uh, for others. It, it could be a, simply a way of life. Um, fear can keep us up all night and just kind of gnaw at us all throughout the day, kind of telling us about danger around every corner. Uh, fear can just kind of freeze us, stop us where we are and keep us from living our life. Um, fears can just govern the choices that we make shape, you know, our life and the way that we go. It it can even rule over our hearts. Um, For some of us, you know, our fears and the way that we handle them and respond to them can even uh, indicate idolatry uh, in our hearts. Um, 
And ultimately fear can, can keep us from trusting and resting in God and just, just pulling us away from him and keeping us focused on, you know, what's going on around us rather than on him. You mentioned a little bit ago that, you know, scripture says many times, you know, not to fear, do not be afraid. Why does scripture tell us that? You know, the Bible um, certainly does say that many times and it acknowledges uh, all these fearful circumstances in life. Um, And sometimes we can read this command, do not fear and think, I don't know, like God is saying something trite, like uh, a well-meaning friend might, you know, who urges us, you know, just have more faith and then you won't be so afraid. But when God tells us not to fear, he's not telling us that we just need to believe more or uh, that we just need to have faith that everything will be okay. And it somehow magically will. Instead, he's, he's calling us to something greater to someone greater. And the Bible is calling us to see God as greater than our fears, to turn to him, to stand in his presence and know that he is the sovereign run who rules over all things, who, holds the world in his hand, who knows the number of hairs on our head and catches our tears in a bottle, wants us to see God as greater. That's such a beautiful thought. And the hairs on our head, the tears in the bottle, the the very personal love and care that he has for us. Um, you know, I think a lot of times I hear people, they, they mean well when they talk about it, but they're like, well, you know, scripture tells you, do not be afraid. So it's a sin to be afraid. So just stop doing it. And I'm like, I, I wish I could, like, I, I'm trying, right? You know, but I think you mentioned in one place about how God means it for our comfort, right? Don't be afraid, because I'm with you. Um, and I appreciate that you made that distinction. Yes, it's it's a it's a loving uh, statement to us, um, not a harsh statement, but a loving statement, inviting us uh, to, to turn to Him and, and see that He's there and He's been there the whole time. Well, I think that the question that everyone is is waiting to hear the answer to that comes up all the time, and that is, what does it mean to fear God? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church hearing um, that phrase, fear the Lord, you know, many times, and I didn't quite grasp what it meant. Um, And I think, you know, as a Christian, I think many of us who've been in the church for a while would, you know, someone asked us that, we'd simply define it as reverence. Um, And it does mean that. But when you explore the fear of the Lord throughout scripture, and you, you see that it has layers to it and, and it, it means even more. Uh, the fear of the Lord is this kind of mixture of awe and wonder, reverence, love and adoration, trust and obedience and worship. Um, I appreciate how Sinclair Ferguson uh, defines it. Specifically, he's talking about the filial fear of the Lord. He defines it as that indefinable mixture of reverence and pleasure, joy and awe, which fills our hearts when we realize who God is and what he has done for us. It is a love for God, which is so great that we would be ashamed to do anything that would displease or grieve him and makes us happiest when we are doing what pleases him. So when you talk about filial fear, right, the the fear, I think it means of like a, a childlike fear, right, or a that filial refers to like a familial relationship, father-son type relationship. How does our view of God influence what we think of when we say we fear him? 
So when uh, when the Bible does talk about the fear of the Lord, we do see two different types. We see servile fear and filial fear, as you just mentioned. Um, servile fear is the fear like a, a prisoner might have for his jailer, where he, you know, does what he's supposed to do only um, to avoid punishment. Um, and that's the kind of fear that the unregenerate have of God. It's true terror of God and his wrath. Whereas, as you said, filial fear is the fear that a child has of his father. Um, children who know that they're loved by their father obey him because they don't want to disappoint him or let him down. And it's that respectful fear, a fear that honors. Um, it's not a fear of terror, but a fear born out of love. And as adopted children of the father, this is the fear that we have for God. We're beloved by the God of the universe who adopted us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He set his love on us, not because of anything that we had done, but purely out of his own love for us. And then he saved us by the blood of his son. And so we respond to the truth of this, to this, the reality of his love for us with a filial fear, with holy fear, with just awe and wonder and reverence and adoration, trust, obedience, and worship. How does fear, and this kind of builds on what you were just talking about, but how does fear rightly lead to worship and love? Well, we fear the Lord because of who he is and what he has done. And as we dwell on that, as we just really dwell on his character, who he is in his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness, faithfulness, as we consider his great love for us in Christ, as we meditate on the wonder of the gospel, we can't help but respond with worship. We can't help but praise him. We can't help but exclaim our love for him. Our hearts fall prostrate before him in worship as John did in his vision and revelation. I liked how you talked about the how the gospel is for us as believers that, you know, it's not just what we need to be saved, but it's a, a something that we need on a day-to-day basis in our lives as believers. And so how does the gospel help us grow in our, the appropriate fear of the Lord? So the Bible teaches us that we can learn the fear of the Lord, that it's something that we do grow in. And one of the ways we do that is by focusing on the good news of the gospel. And um, Paul explained why the good news is so important in Romans 1. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Um, And then the just shall live by faith. So we live by faith in the gospel for it's, you know, the the apex of God's redemptive story. It's the truth that our hearts need most. And so to grow in a holy fear of God, we we appropriate those truths of the gospel for our lives every day. It's it's that story that we tell ourselves over and over. Um, you know, sometimes we hear theologians say, preach the gospel to yourself. And we do this by, you know, just retelling that story of redemption. You know, we look to the incarnation as God the Son left the glories of heaven to uh, wrap himself in human flesh. We remember that Jesus was born of a woman in, the, in this fallen world where he experienced all the sorrows and heartaches and troubles and poverties and temptations of this life that we all know too well, yet he never sinned. 
We remind ourselves that he lived a perfect life in our place, fulfilling the law for us. And we look to the cross where he bore the wrath of God in our place and died the death we deserve. But then we look beyond the cross to the empty tomb. Because he was righteous, the grave couldn't hold him. So after three days, he rose in triumph and he conquered sin and death once for all. And so we apply all of these truths, this whole story of the gospel to our lives. You know, we apply it when we're convicted of sin and we need to confess and repent of it. We apply these truths when we feel shame and we want to hide from God. We apply them when we forget who we are in Christ. And then we also apply these truths when we need to see that God is bigger than the circumstances of our lives. So the more that we dwell on the gospel and the good news and the more we see the depth and breadth of God's grace for us, we just can't help but respond again with that holy fear, with awe and wonder, and gratitude and love for God. What are some other ways we can grow in the fear of the Lord? And I know uh, in the end of the book, you can have some encouragements to that end, um, scriptures to meditate upon, but even just, um, you know, things like not forsaking the gathering and some other yeah, things so like that. So, what what are some ways that we can... I do devote a, a whole chapter to that, um, different ways that we can grow in our fear of the Lord. You know, one being re- just remembering God's works, you know, the, the ways that he has worked through time and history and the things that he has done specifically in our own lives that we can look back on and praise him for. Uh, his work of creation, just truly enjoying what he has made and, and praising him for that. And then we also grow in the fear of the Lord as we utilize the means of grace that he's given, you know, studying his word to learn more about him, uh, abiding with him in prayer, uh, worshiping with the saints on the Lord's day, um, just using all of these means that he's already given us um, all help us to grow in the fear of him. So what are some ways that we can see the fruit or evidence of this holy fear in our lives? So then, um, I devote one whole chapter to kind of looking through uh, some of the fruits that we'll see as we do grow in the fear of the Lord, um, including wisdom. Um, And that's, you know, that one probable verse kind of everyone knows about the fear of the Lord is that, you know, it's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Obedience. The more that we grow in our fear of him, the more that we are going to obey him um, rather than uh, our idols or anything else. Um, Trust is another uh, fruit that we see. Uh, the more we fear him, the more that we're going to trust him in the face of um, just those, all those unknown circumstances. Humility is another fruit uh, and holiness as well. One of the things with what you were just talking about that we talk about a lot is sometimes as you're growing closer to the Lord and in sanctification, even seeing your sin more, sometimes you think, am I growing even at all? Because you're seeing God's holiness more and, um, and your own sinfulness more. That's something, you know, I've experienced and I hear people saying that just as a side note, have you um, thought about that at, at all? You know, you know, those times just thinking of my own Christian life where you're, Right when I think I'm doing pretty good, then <laughs> no, you aren't. Um, where all of a sudden, wow, I didn't realize this is an issue in my life. And then it can feel discouraging. 
have you thought about that at all? Just even through that growth, that part of that is seeing your sin and it can be discouraging. Yes, I think that is uh, true for for all of us as believers, that the more we grow in our faith, the, the closer that we get into to God's presence, that we just see more and more how holy he is. Um, and I think that, you know, I, like Isaiah, we, we just fall down and say, woe is me, um, because we, we realize the truth that we are not God. And then, you know, his grace becomes that much more profound to us that um, he would save us and forgive us and, and have us in his presence, um, despite uh, the, the realities of how, you know, how far from him that, that we wander. And so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. A large part of what you discuss in the book is how uh, a holy fear of God will help order um, our lesser fears, the fears that um, our everyday fears, the ones that we talked about, the natural fears, et cetera. But will a holy fear of God take away all of my other fears? Well, fearing the Lord isn't um, a formula or a solution that that just makes all our fearful circumstances in life disappear we still live in a fallen world. We still face fearful uh, situations. And so as long as we live here, there's still going to be sickness and loss and, and bad news. Um, but as we face those fearful circumstances, we remember that we have a great and mighty God who's with us in those circumstances. He is greater than them. He rules over them. Um, and he is trustworthy and faithful. And I, I just um, look to the psalmist um, as an example for just how you live life in a fallen world and facing fears. And um, David in Psalm uh, 27, you know, he was on the run for his life uh, and he had great reason to be afraid. Um, and he turned to the Lord in prayer and he, he just really dwelled on who God is and what he had done for him, what he'd done for um, his people. He, he feared the Lord. And in response to his fears, he said, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. And his confidence wasn't in himself. It was in, in the one who is greater. I really appreciate how you tie in the Psalms both here. And then of course, in Harv heart set free and in your other works and um and even in in this book you you talk again about the importance of of using the psalms and learning to lament and using the psalms as models for our prayers to cry out to god in our fear um and i know you talk about other places but what is your favorite psalm that you go to the most Oh, people ask me that, and I, I just love so many of them. <laughs> I turn to different ones for different situations, you know, when I... So, for afraid, for being afraid, then, for fear, since this is about fear, which is the one you go to when you're afraid? I do love, I do love Psalm 27 mm-hmm. um, a lot, and it's one that I, I do go to a lot, um, and one I recommend a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I, I would say that one. 
I think I go to 139 and 121 probably the most often, right? The 121, you know, I look, I lift my, lifted my eyes to the hills from which to my help come. My help comes to the Lord who made heaven and earth, right? You will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber, right? And I'm singing like the RUF version in my head while I'm <laughs> reading the psalm. Um, and then, of course, I think the image in 139 that he encloses you both before and behind and puts his hand on you. And that imagery is just something that really speaks to me and my fears, that he is with me, ahead of me, behind me, he's with me. Um, so, I've Thank you for sharing. I like 27 too. It's hard to pick a favorite. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, and a lot a lot of those psalms, and you even talk about listening to, to music. A lot of those a lot of those psalms are set to music somewhere. So sometimes if I'm kind of meditating about upon a psalm, I'll I'll go and search and see, you know, is this, somebody put this to music somewhere that I can add to my playlist. I, I have funny playlists on Spotify. Um, I have one called Calm. You know, when I'm feeling anxious, I, I turn that one on. One thing I forgot to mention in the beginning of the episode is there is a study guide that you can use with this book. So this this really is a book that would be great to go through with your um, your church women's group. Um, and you can go through that study guide together. You could, but you can also go through this book on your own. Um, you know, Rachel and I both both did that as we just read through that book. But that study guide is. Re- I did not go through the study guide like I would um, if I was. You may be reading it a little bit more slowly, and I might go back and do that. But there's a lot of uh, good questions, and you can dig in a little more to uh, the book. And then, did you have anyone in mind, Christina, when you were? Um, writing this, like how you were hoping that people would use the book? Well, I mean, as I wrote it, I was thinking of it in the context of uh, group use, um, though I know that not everyone, you know, is able to be in in a group situation. So as you said, you can read it on your own and and even go through the, 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 you know, the Bible passages and, and questions on your own. But I mean, I always learn better when I'm interacting with other people and talking about it um, in the context of community. But um, so, yeah, it would be great to use in a, in a small group. And I think, too, with quarantine and the increased use of Zoom and, you know, some states are still we just went back to an even tighter lockdown in our state where um, and that's a possibility, too, maybe. Maybe, you know, you're you're not able to meet a lot at church or maybe able to meet for worship, but not much beyond that. You know, start a start a Zoom meeting and go through this book, you know, and sometimes there sometimes that means people that maybe couldn't come to an in-person study can come. So encourage that. Not that not that we're saying, you know, do away with in-person. But right now, when things are um, different than we're accustomed, that that's a possibility or even and maybe you don't have a group like that at church, go through it with a friend. I think that would be good too. So, well, Christina, thank you so much. I did want to just, before we let you go, I know you've got a children's book coming out soon or next year, which is almost next year. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, you've mentioned a heart set free a few times and, So this children's book is called Tell God About How You Feel. 
and it's really inspired by what I wrote in A Heart Set Free. And it's a discipleship uh, tool for parents to use to help their children learn how to cry out to God and tell him about what is happening in their life and their sorrows and fears and um, really just kind of helping them from a, you know, a young age uh, learn to make that a habit as they uh, deal with life in a fallen world. And what ages um, will that be geared towards? Uh, mostly elementary age. Okay. I would say, yeah. And then about next spring, is that about when it'll be out? Yes, I'm anticipating March. Okay. So we will definitely have you on again, you know, when, when that comes out. So you will hear about it here. Um, thank you so much, Christina, for, for joining us. We recommend go pre-order Christina's book or put it on your Christmas list or um, suggest it for your next women's group. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.